went to a party recently and I was just reveling. One of the joys of being monogamous was I was at this party and no portion of my thinking energy was consumed by figuring out if anyone was crushing on me or I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just like, nothing is going to happen between me and anyone here. So I don't have to worry like what anyone is thinking about me, basically. It was so liberating. That sounds kind of nice. That's always been part of the challenge of polyamory for me. I feel like it, in many cases, has kept me in a, like, it has led to a perpetual state of insecurity because it's like both I and my partner could always be, anything could be happening at any time, you know? Yeah, but now you can totally let yourself go. Exactly. Embrace the entropy. (laughs) Right, as we all should. Yeah, yeah, we kind of should. Well, how are you, Hava? Oh, Baruch Hashem. You know, still waiting to hear about this job thing. Kind of in a weird mood now because I've been sort of like anxiously waiting all day. And because I didn't find out anything, like that anxiety has nowhere to go. So the rubber band of tension snaps and it turns into like weird sadness. You know, all those brain chemicals, nowhere to go. Yeah, but otherwise I'm... Good, my BF and I are packing up to go on a weekend trip to our friend's house for our anniversary. It's going to be so cute. Is it the place that's like underneath your friend's house? Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's going to be so nice. It's where Chonk comes from, official cat of Hi, How Are You? Are you bringing Chonk? No, we thought about it for sure, but I think it would just be too much trouble also we were gonna bring him because his mom still lived there for a long time but his mom has been successfully adopted now so mm. that was the main pull was a mother-son reuniting kitty fest oh that's nice so wait, do you think a, a big proposal is gonna happen no this is just the gates are opening for the proposal so okay. i literally i've written my two-year anniversary email with examples of rings that i like and a love letter attached and it's like scheduled to be sent on our anniversary. <laughs> Wait, like the love letter for him to send to you? No, I wrote a love letter to oh, him. I see. Okay. And then attached to the love letter is also my ring specification. Okay, okay. I thought you like sent him like a Mad Lib style love letter that he needs to <laughs> fill in and send back no. to you. No, 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 no. Also, this probably will be more to you than to any listener of the pod, but my boyfriend got an even shorter haircut recently. Oh, yeah. And it is hot. Okay, it's that's a great. Look. Yeah. Now he looks like a like a well groomed ferret. <laughs> yeah, just how I like him. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're into that. Yeah, he looks just scrumptious. Uh, what else is going on? Yeah, just getting ready for that trip. I feel like this waiting on this job thing has thrown everything out of whack. It feels like my life is a little bit up in the air, and I don't really like that feeling. Yeah. So. It stops me from being as effective in doing the things that I love to do and tends to make me into more of a lump, which is fine to be that. I like to do that a lot, but I also like to like effectively do all my Talmud stuff. And sometimes I feel like my anxious awaiting about this job is getting in the way of that. Yeah. Well, it'll end hopefully soon. It's true. One day the bell will toll. Michael, hi, how are you? I'm good. I just got back from driving my friend from chicago to massachusetts we drove across half the country i guess to yeah move his car filled with stuff that's a big drive yeah 
His wife and kiddos took a plane and we moved the car. So we had a like a boys trip. <laughs> boys and trip, both in the loosest sense yep, of the word. Yep. We stayed with his eccentric music homosexual friend in mm-hmm. Cleveland. So that was fun. Yeah, that sounds adorable. It was super adorable. Cleveland, good barbecue. That's all I know about Cleveland. And I liked it. I don't think I've ever been there. So that's Ohio, right? Yeah, it's Ohio. I've been rewatching 30 Rock, so that's what comes to mind when I think of Cleveland. Cleveland is a big plot in 30 Rock. Oh, okay. I did not know that. God, I've seen that show so many fucking times. I'm going to watch it so many more times before I die. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, the reason I was late to record was because Grunge Girl was like, come join me in the garden. And then we were feasting on the... That's so wifey. I know, I know, I know. We were eating various herbs and plants that were popping up. Oh, my God. Yeah, we were feasting. Yeah. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. So when when are you going to be proposing to Grunge Girl or vice versa? Oh, whoa. Okay. (laughs) You're the first person to ask me that, actually. Yeah, but it like feel doesn't it feel like it's about that time for people to be asking you that? Like, not that it's really time for you to be thinking about that, but it's about the time that people in your life will start asking you that question. Oh, yeah. Because you've you've almost hit the two-year mark, right? It's been a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you got a little more time. Also, you bought a fucking house together, okay? So that really puts it but, you know, in that direction. Everyone who listens to this podcast know that money is an illusion. So is it really a commitment? Yeah. The only thing, a real commitment. Just because things are illusions doesn't make them powerful, Michael. You know that. Look. Don't pretend you don't know that for the course of this sentence. I, I, <laughs> metaphysical <laughs> commitments are what count, okay? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, you know? Mm-hmm. Great. I love it. I mean, we don't know if she wants to marry me. Hey, grunge girl! <laughs> no, no! Don't do it this way. This is not the way. Grunge girl! What? Do My- you want to get married? Yeah! Okay! All right. Live on air, people. You heard it here first. All right. Getting married. <laughs> done great glad to have played my small part yeah there you go in that debacle i expect to be your best woman yeah you you will be my best woman i guess i yeah. guess uh, sam would be my only competition or your friend who you just drove across the country yeah i think sam would be like the best bitch and you would be the best woman right you know i mean you obviously you could have any number of best anythings in your wedding party I just need to know that I'm the queen of them. There just needs to be barbecue. There needs to be barbecue brisket. God, yes. My little brother's wedding was great, but I was a little disappointed that the food wasn't barbecue. I ate good barbecue while I was there. I support and love him, you know, but I just don't always support and love his choices. What was the food? What did you... What did you... Uh, It was, I don't know, like regular... It was like chicken pasta, (laughs) you know, like catering food. Although it was, you know, surprisingly good chicken pasta, which, you, you know, you sort of expect to be bland it was surprisingly good but it was not barbecue okay all right it was originally going to be enchiladas but then they tasted the catering people's enchiladas and they sucked so they changed it well i'm hungry now but we have a pod to record oh yeah let's do that well here's the thing we're gonna do a listener question remember when we used to do listener question episodes yeah yeah, yeah. we're back baby okay 
Today's question is from Calendrically Confused. When saying Kaddish for a non-Jewish friend or relative, should one mark the secular calendar yard site or the Jewish calendar yard site? This seems maybe like a simple or meaningless question, but I haven't found any writing on it anywhere. Just that you can say Kaddish, which of course you can, and I can't decide. On the one hand, Kaddish is a Jewish ritual and feels like it should happen on Jewish time. On the other hand, my loved one had no connection to the Jewish calendar, and the rest of their friends will be marking the anniversary by the secular calendar. Am I honoring them more one way or the other? Am I making it about myself more than them if I go with Jewish? Can some queer Talmud help? Mm. So there's our question, Michael. Okay. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm assuming Yardsite is the anniversary. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, so the decision, do it on the Jewish calendar anniversary or on the whatever gregorian calendar right is that what it's called yeah i think so um i don't know here's here's what the talmud rabbis would say they would probably say you have to do both oh interesting interesting if they think that you should do kaddish for a gentile let's assume that they would say yes right in that scenario I imagine they would say to do both. So you think the rabbis would say do both. Why do both? Because it reminds me of the kind of rulings about when to start various holidays and Shabbats and like Mm. like these kind of compromises where you don't really know when it starts. So you just kind of celebrate on both days and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's one way of like playing by the rules. But I don't know. I'm I'm curious about, I, I kind of want to throw more questions at the listener, which unfortunately we can't mm-hmm, do. Right. I want to know what their relationship to the person was. Not because that'll help mm-hmm. me make, make a good call on their behalf, but I think it's interesting that they're struggling to make the call. Yeah. Well, here's my take, my very lukewarm take, very, uh, easy digestible take i'm sure many if not all of us have heard the phrase funerals are for the living and that is my take in this case is that the listener should just do whatever works best for them emotionally and spiritually and i have some jewish text to back that up and i was wondering when i was researching this episode like why do we say kaddish that was my first thing because you know, the purpose that Kaddish has would determine probably when you're supposed to say it. One of the main theories that I came across is that we say Kaddish, which, if you don't know, has no, it doesn't say anything about dying in the prayer itself. The prayer is all like praising God and stuff. So we say Kaddish, some people hold in order to like uplift the souls of the deceased and sort of like help them on their heavenly way, so to speak, to give their neshama and aliyah, to give their soul an ascension. So if that's the reason we say Kaddish, then maybe it would be different than if we said Kaddish, like, I don't know, for some other purpose. Here's what we read in Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, which is a summary of the Shulchan Aruch, which is a big thing of halacha. We read of Alpi Shamirat Hakadish Wuhatsfilat Morilot Lahavot Mikol Hamakom Ain Elu Haika Ella Haika Hu Shehabanim Yehu Baorach Mishor Kize Mizakim Ha Avot. Even though 
saying Kaddish and prayers is helpful to the souls of the parents in this case, because it's discussing the mourning practices for when someone is mourning their parents. Even though it is helpful to their souls, this is not the main thing. The main thing is that the children walk in the path of righteousness, because with that, they will gain the favor of the heavens for their parents. So even though saying Kaddish and saying prayers for mourning does give a boost to the souls of the person you're praying for, does give them a little nitro in the soul tank for their Tokyo Drift. That's not the main deal. The main reason we do it is basically because we're supposed to. Because we're supposed to walk in the path of righteousness and us doing our mitzvahs is what helps them in an auxiliary manner. Okay, okay. What we're finding out here is that we say Kaddish for us. And incidentally, it also helps people's souls. Okay, so that makes it feel like you'd lean towards doing it on the Jewish calendar. I do lean towards that, but only because I feel like that's what our listener leans towards based on their thing. To me, and this is just my total inference, it feels like the listener wants to say Kaddish on the Jewish yard site, but maybe is concerned that that might be a faux pas in some ways. So my thing here is like, You should say it on Jewish time because you are doing it as a Jewish practice. And so now that we know that Kaddish is mainly for you, and incidentally, when you do something to increase your own righteousness, that gives a boost to the soul, then you should just do it at the time that's right for you. Right, right. And also increasing your own righteousness. It contributes to the piggy bank of mitzvahs that is important for some reason or another generally the universal (laughs) piggy bank of mitzvahs for some reason we'll find out later yeah for some reason we'll find out later so okay that's neat i'm wondering were you able to find anything about uh mourning gentiles mourning people who aren't jewish so there's a lot of contemporary writing about that that i found and there were A few people who were anti this, but most authorities that I found, even authorities more on the orthodox side of the spectrum, were like, yeah, basically, like, this just comes up from time to time, and maybe we could come up with arguments against it, but it just would be a social good for this to be happening. So we're going to say, like, yeah, it's great. All right, cool. So most people are pro that with a few stinkers in the mix. I also bring another fun little funerals are for the living vibe with this text from Mishnah Brachot, chapter two. Rachatz layla harishon shemeta ishto amru lo talmida lo limatanu rubenu she'avel asur lirohotz amar lahem eini chishar kol adam istenisani. Roman Gamliel took a bath on the first night after his wife died. And his students said to him, which I imagine them being in the literal, they're all in the bath. Actually, they're probably all, I was going to say they're all in the private bathroom together. They've come as a group to confront him, but now I'm realizing they're probably all at the bathhouse together. They're all naked at the bathhouse, standing around naked. (laughs) And they say, didn't you say a mourner is prohibited to bathe? So Rabban Gamliel holds with the halachic opinion that as part of the Jewish laws of mourning, he should not be bathing on this the first night after his wife has passed. And Rabban Gamliel says, I am not like other men. 
I'm delicate. Wait, oh, you brought this before. Have I? Yes, you have. It's a good one. It's a good one. Okay, it is very good. It is very good. And it's very thematic. It's always appropriate. Yep, yep. And it's been a while. I feel like I brought it in the early early times of the show. So this is a classic. Lot of hay has been made out of it. This word, which he uses to mean delicate, is tennis, comes from the Greek. That ending there you're hearing is the Greek morpheme stenos, as in calisthenics, meaning strong. Mm-hmm. And the E is sort of a morphed version of the A prefix, meaning not. So he's saying, I'm not strong. I'm baby. I'm literally not strong. Okay, interesting. Basically, the deal that I'm bringing with this is like, you know, if Rob on Gamliel, well, rewind. First of all, in my opinion, and in the opinion of Shulchan Aruch, the Kaddish is more about your own relationship with God. And thank God it also gives a boost to the soul. So first off, you should just do it when you think is the best time to do it for you. And second of all, even if you did have a countervailing opinion that said you needed to do it the opposite way, you could make a strong argument for the Rabban Gamliel approach, which is like, if you're a baby about it, then that's fine. And, you know, I don't think morning practices are the time to push yourself to your halachic edge, you know? I think morning practices, as Rabban Gamliel is showing us here, is time to be a cozy boy. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Positive messages today on the show. I think that is a very nice analysis. Hava, thank you. My pledge. I hope this has been helpful to you, dear listener. It's a simple one today, but it was a simple question, you know? Live it up. Stay cottage when it works for you. Yep, yep. Also, it's cool. I guess there's this side cool concept that our own righteousness is sort of has passive spiritual benefits. Yeah, that is kind of neat. Which makes sense to me. I mean, I feel like intuitively it makes sense that like my ancestors would be helped out by me doing good in the present. Yeah, I also just like the idea that everyone is somehow helped out by right. someone being a goody-goody. Right. It's a very much a butterfly effect situation. Yep, I like that. I like butterflies, and I like butterfly effects, positive butterfly effects. <laughs> right. Although you may not know, you may just be experiencing the positive part of the butterfly effect, and later on down the line, there's a negative part. Maybe someone should direct a movie about someone, like, does a mitzvah, and it causes a tsunami to <laughs> hit San Francisco or something. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. I mean, I feel like this is... No, this is the opposite of the movie Uncut Gems, I guess, where Adam Sandler's character tries to be a little snot and it causes everything to fall apart. Oh, yeah. I tried watching that movie a couple weeks ago and it was just too much anxiety. I couldn't get through it. Oh, yeah. It's such a stressful movie. It's really good, though. No, it was good. It was good at doing what it seemed like it wanted to do. And I didn't want to participate. It was not. I couldn't. I would never say it's pleasant. Watch. I would rather watch some like Grindhouse than than finish that yeah. movie. You know, well, Grindhouse is intended to be fun. Uncut Gems is intended to be you like you're crawling out of your skin a little bit. I played uh, from dusk till dawn for Grunge Girl for the first time. Oh, classic, so good, so gosh, Salma so Hayek, good. great role for her. Great role, great all around. <laughs> yeah. Probably my favorite George Clooney movie ever. Yeah. 
I think my only competition would be Ocean's Eleven. I still need to see that. You haven't seen it? I mean, it's fine. It's just like, I hate to say it, but at this point, it's just a classic movie. Oh, wow. I call them like a season. Next week. Next week, Russian Doll Season 1, Episode 2. Episode 2, maybe 2 and 3. We'll see. I think Episode 2 can be a thing on its own. I watched it. All right. All I right. rewatched it and I prepared. I pulled out some texts. Okay, sweet, sweet. Gonna be talking about themes of anger and friendship. So have those in your mind as you go. And it's a much less overtly Jewish episode, but has much more going on for me in terms of like trauma and stuff. Okay. Anyway, we don't need to do that right now. <laughs> I'm back from vacation, so we're going to return to my series and the patron episodes of Concave Objects, Concave related objects. So. It's going to be great. Sounds great. Cool. Well, listener, I hope this has been helpful to you. I know it was a bit of a simple answer, but turns out it's a, to me, it seemed like a simple question and I hope it can feel that way to you as you leave this episode. If you want to get twice as many episodes, some of them complicated and some of them simple, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash client. How are you? So we can keep doing this bullshit because we love it. And it seems like you love it and we would love to keep loving it with you. That's it. My friends, we will talk to you soon. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.